Hello, hello, hello. Welcome. It's Numbers on the Boards, the weekly podcast for all things Dallas Mavericks. I'm Bobby Corella. Today, I have a whole lot to talk about. Lucky for you, I'm not alone. I'm joined on this journey, as always, by the great, the famous, the future, I don't know. Huh? I'll say it, Hall of Famer. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's where I thought you were going. Jeff Skinwick. Hello, Bobby. How what did you think I was going to say? Um, the future futuristic. The, <laughs> the future former co-host. Yes, yes. Nah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm so happy. Things uh, are so good. I was saying I'm joined by future. That'd be cool. Yeah. He joined us for a podcast. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm gonna be going to All Star Weekend. I imagine he'll be there, right? What, where would there be a better place for future to be than All Star? Well, he lives weekend? in Atlanta, right? And not, that's just a, that's a hop, skip, and a jump away from Charlotte. Just an SEC jumper over. Yeah, it's gonna be great. We'll talk about All Star Weekend in a little bit, but uh, man, so today is Monday. Yesterday was Sunday, and on Sunday there was some basketball being played at American Airlines Center. One of yes. the more and maybe one of the most improbable wins that you'll see the Mavs pull off probably all season and maybe for a couple of years. You know it's funny, man? As I, I was, you think you have memories of certain games. The Mavericks had an improbable victory uh, uh, at home against Portland four years ago, and one of the key reasons they were able to at the very end squeeze the victory in is because for some inexplicable reason, Portland Trailblazer Wesley Matthews dribbled down and shot a one-on-two layup when they were up with like two minutes to go yeah and it started this just avalanche of problems for portland and i flash back to that game different circumstances but you know you sort of associate certain teams with certain moments and all that thing and that was a very important game for portland uh followell hit me to this going into the game portland had played the fewest road games in the nba they had played 23 road games going into that. I think nine of their next ten, including yesterday's, are on the road. On the road. That is, that's daunting this and time of year. Right, and so you think about like when the Mavericks are in situations like that, you go, okay, tone setter, got to start this thing off right, right? So they built up a double-digit lead because Dame was insane in the third, and then they frittered it away. That was a bad loss for Portland, and whatever – playoff hopes the Mavericks are clinging to that was a huge win for those sort of things to talk about yeah absolutely my kind of uh overall thesis I write this thing called the Mavs it's called the fast break after uh wins Mm -hmm. after wins this is kind of a bunch of like stat stuff right and uh the kind of overall takeaway from yesterday's game is that basketball is like it's becoming this super rational uh, predictable game of numbers, almost mm-hmm. like baseball, the, mm-hmm. the money ball and Mori ball and all that stuff is going on. But yesterday's game defied all of those like things that we thought were rules, right? They're really just theories. I saw you tweet the win expectancy stuff. Yeah, it was that crazy. Was insane. Yeah, so, okay, with, with 9.32 left, Dorian Finney-Smith misses a layup. Mm-hmm. And at that point, the Mavs... The, the, their win probability fell to 1.7%. It's not okay. good. They're going to win 1.7% of the time. The average NBA team will, I guess, with the Mavs skill and everything. ESPN kind of – every win probability metric is a little different because some take into consideration the team skill and how do you how do you measure a team skill versus the other. But mm-hmm. anyway, they had a 1.7% chance to win the game. But then something crazy happened. Finney Smith tipped in his own miss, mm-hmm. and that kind of started the the avalanche. Was it's, that the Courtney Lee fast break? Is that what that play was? No, that Where was he missed uh, a layup and then tipped it in. I think uh, maybe, maybe Courtney I don't know. Courtney Lee made a pass and he got himself jammed and then he went right back up and, and got it in. Okay, maybe, all maybe that was that. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was early in the fourth, so maybe Lee was out there at the time. But yes, uh, he tipped in his own miss. Yes, and that was the humble beginning to a fourteen zero run. And then next thing you know, you look up and it's 96-95. And that wasn't the only improbable thing, obviously. I mean, that play with Tim Hardaway where he, he missed the three and then Dwight Powell just like batted it 40 feet up in the air. Yes. And it's just kind of caroming off people along the sideline. And like Carlisle's backing up out of the way as Hardaway's just tipping it up to himself. He's play, basically playing keep away, just right. tapping it in the air. And he finally comes down with it. And lo and behold, nobody's 
in his way, and he just dunks it. I mean, Power like, dunk. So many random things. Damian Lillard misses two layups late in the game after scoring 21 points on eight shots in the third quarter. And the most crazy stat of them all is the Blazers. Yesterday's game, follow-up brought this up on the broadcast, they were 33-0 and yes. when leading after three quarters. Yes. And they were 0-21 when trailing after three quarters, which is also unbelievable. Yeah. But 33-0, and and they led 92-78 after three. And then follow was like, and that is the blemish. Yeah. <laughs> the Mavs are the one in 33-1. <laughs> and one. It's like they beat the Wilt Lakers or something. It's crazy. It was great. I, I mean, Followell brings so much to the broadcast, just not only with the, the knowledge, but just the way that he broadcasts the games. It gets me pumped up. I know it gets heart pumped up. But um, – that's, uh, you know, if something special does happen here, I think that's the game we kind of look back at. Uh, the other thing about those percentages is, okay, you have a 1.7% chance of winning that game. How does that differ if you know that Luca's going to do something, right? Like, this is where we start getting into all these abstracts. You know, stats are a result of things that have already happened. And you use them, uh, you know, as a, okay, is this a predictor of the way things are going to be and can we make adjustments? But the the abstract thing of all this is and and like for, i know especially with with sabermetrics people baseball people it's like well there is no clutch and blah 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 and then you talk to a baseball player it's like oh my god absolutely there's clutch luke has got something that's just in, in, impossible to define we can use clutch stats or crunch time or whatever but there's just something like that you can't account for going you know he knew that there was 100 people there that traveled from slovenia and spent their hard-earned money and flew 27 hours to see him, and he's aware of that. And he tends to do, yesterday was Superhero Day, uh, he tends to do superhuman things in that environment. You you pointed this out to me. I didn't know this. The 11-0 run against Houston, that game time was bumped up so it could be broadcast back to NBA Europe. If you don't think that Luca doesn't know this stuff, you're you're missing. Yeah, you're missing it. I mean, he's still tweeting out on game day stuff about Real Madrid. He cares about that stuff. That's important. Man, that Brad Townsend piece in the morning news this weekend was awesome. Yep. Um, so when there are you know thousands of Slovenian fans at a Cleveland game, he's aware of it. When there are a hundred people traveling in from a travel agency in Slovenia to see three games, and that was the first of it, he knows it. That's why in early in the first quarter when he misses a shot or something, he's you can tell he's upset because he wants to deliver the goods. When he's on back home on the national audience, he knows it. And that is like there's no stat for that. There's no real quantifiable metric to go, hey, this he dials up superhuman things at these times. That's just rock star stuff, man. Yeah. And that's why it's like I thought Luca could be really good. But I thought he'd have a ceiling because of quote unquote athletic ability. Well, what I didn't know is, well, how come you're not measuring strength as an athletic ability or ability to decelerate as an athletic ability? And how do you function in skill with this size? He's bigger than I thought he was. But also, whatever that rock star thing is that he's got, man, there's there's not that many people in the whole effing globe that have it. And a league of superstars, I mean, everybody in the NBA is a superstar on some level. Look at the number of people in the world versus the number of people that actually make the NBA. That's why if you're one of these dumbasses on Twitter that calls a guy <laughs> trash because he misses a shot, dude, seriously, log off and get away from the Internet. You're an idiot. Don't ever call any of these grown men who are part of a super elite, tiny sliver percentage of the world trash. You need to walk away. You need to put the bottle down and walk away and go read a book or something. Or maybe walk away and pick the bottle up. Pick it up. Whatever. Come back to. Don't, you don't need to be calling these badasses trash. You're an idiot. You're exposing yourself for your dumbness. But anyways, uh, I'm sorry. I got off on a side rant there. But my whole point is that even in that super elite group of all these super elite dudes, there's still one higher percentage of guys that get up for the, the Steph Currys that get up for those moments. And Luca's one of those people. It yep. just is. It's not even a debate anymore. Yeah, the play that that kind of not really solidified it because we've seen it for 50-something games so far. But I think Luca's signature play from this particular game against Portland, there's two and a half minutes left. It's tie 97-97. Something happened earlier in the possession. Someone missed a shot, and the ball was kind of – it was sputtering around, and the Mavs eventually gained control. And whenever you – 
get an offensive rebound. He got 14 seconds to do something. But no one could control the ball. So the clock is just ticking, and it's just bouncing around, and they're passing. No one really knows what to do. Anyway, the ball eventually finds Luka basically at half court, and he's got six seconds left, and he's one-on-one with Damian Lillard. Mm -hmm. There's six seconds left, and he's 40 feet away from the rim. And Lillard, he's gotten better at defense throughout his career. He's good enough to bother you. Right. And if you're as unathletic as we think Luka is, or but we is very loose term right, here right. because we know that Luka's athletic, but if you got six seconds to get 40 feet to the rim and you're guarded by one of the best players in the league, it's going to be tough for you. But Luka goes one, two to his right, stops at the elbow, goes behind the back. Lillard is just completely out of the play. And he crosses over to his left and lays it in, just finger roll. And I think it's Harkless or Aminu, let me look, it's Harkless. Oh, is that in. the and one? Well, it was not an and one. It should have been an and one. Yeah, it very yeah. well it easily could have been an and one. Yes. But, I mean, just the that play alone really paints kind of a picture of who Luka is as a player because yeah. not only is he willing and he wants to take that last shot, the big shot, but he's got the athleticism. Mm-hmm. He's got the power to decelerate, change speeds, and go, change and the, direction. And, and the skill that and exacerbates the skill and it. And the flair. Yeah. The flair, I mean – We've seen Dirk win a billion games. We're very lucky to have done so. But the craziest things Dirk would do in a tight game is take a one-legger, which is like his go-to move, which is really not even that fancy. Even he'll tell you it's not that tough of a shot. But Luka, with two and a half minutes left, he's going behind the back into a finger roll in traffic (laughs) against an all-NBA player. I mean, like... Just the not only the level of skill and athleticism, but just like the the cojones to do something the like cojones that. Cojones to do it, yeah. Because do you know how easy it is to mess up a behind the back whenever you're going full speed and oh, you trust stop? me, I'm very I aware. Mean, I've had like, my pocket picked a million times. Yeah, dude. Like it is just there are not very many people that can do that, and he routinely does it. I mean, he hit that step back over or over Seth. It wasn't really a step back, but he kind of stepped into the three. Uh, to make it a three-point game. And then right after the uh, finger roll against Lillard, he had the uh, and one layup, which was another nice play. I mean, but that one play going behind the back, one-two into the finger roll is Mm -hmm. just like – that is the quintessential Luka Doncic play. So what is the – okay, this is a tough question. I don't even know there's a good answer for this, but I'll just put you on the spot because I don't even know how I answer it. What is the what is the best or the number one key ingredient of Luka Doncic that makes him Luka Doncic? The, you mean the what is his unique what is trait his, that sets him what's apart? What's his trait? What is his number one trait that makes him special? I if th- we are, are we calling him special? Yeah, I think it's pretty. Have you Can, seen his numbers the last fifteen? Well, games no, no, but so, no. I get, I get into this the whole thing with uh, being a homer. Yeah, because I am a homer, mm-hmm. and I know some people look at that as a bad. Oh, how dare you, you're a homer! But I, I mean, I feel like I'm pretty knowledgeable about the game, but I also am very passionate about the team, and I want the team to win, and I want special things to happen for the team. So I think that makes me a homer. But I don't think I'm blind to the world of basketball and what wins and what doesn't win and what teams have and, and doesn't have. But I do have a rooting interest in this team. So whenever I start going to the more grandiose sorts of things, I go, okay, hold on, is this? Am I wearing a dirt jersey right now saying this, or am I being a basketball person? Mm-hmm. So I always try to fight that fight. And so I, I want to throw this out there. You may already know this. I heard Chuck say this the other day. You, you, did you know that Jim Jones, who's on the Cleveland radio broadcast, who was there for LeBron's rookie year, ran over to Chuck at halftime and said, oh, my God, it's LeBron. It's LeBron all over again. Yeah, Coop told that story, and that is like I have tried. I've gone out of my way to not go there. Yeah. But you see all these stat lists that Luca's on, and you're like, those names are that's, those that's are the most question. hallowed names. That's my, and that's my question. I mean, are you allowing yourself to go there because it's absurd? But is it? I mean, dude, no matter which way you slice it, whether you're going by just like raw points, rebounds, assists, or you're going for like player value, like any any type of any type of stat thing, yes. any type of film thing where Luca's making these crazy passes that only certain guys can make I mean you're it's the same names that are popping up every time you do yeah, it it's, it's Oscar guys Robertson like LeBron and, and Oscar Magic, and yeah. Michael and Magic and right. Bird and I mean but Grant then, but Hill who was he's in the Hall of Fame and it's like I do not want to even mention those guys' names because if you're <laughs> if you're talking about a 19 year old as like he's the next version of LeBron then 
you're really setting yourself up to be disappointed because there's only been one LeBron. And no, there I know. will probably never be another one. But, but that that's the thing. Are you willing to – I'm just on the – look, a guy can get injured. Yeah. A guy uh, – a lot of things can happen to derail this. Specialness is so unique. But that's the question. Are you allowing yourself to look at this player and go there? I want to. I'm not – sure that my uh cojones are big enough to say it out loud publicly but in my mind i'm already thinking about it i mean dude we've had we have a month and a half of him averaging like 25 8 and 7 yeah and that is that's absurd and he's winning games that's starting all-star numbers yeah and he's winning games and the stuff that Rick, I'm assuming he went to Rick's press after the stuff that he's saying at the end it's good stuff and when he's talking about taking the load and the burden that the guy is carrying at this age. This is, and I think, I can't remember if you and I talked about this or I talked about it on the radio show, but the Ben and Skin Show, 105.3 The Fan. Hey, but, um, weekdays 3 to 7. But when you get into this whole thing of starting to compare young players to great players, it's the premise is that it's unfair to the young player. It's unfair to Dirk to go, hey, you're the next Larry Bird. Dirk, you know, Dirk's, oh my God, I'm just trying to get acclimated. Where if you go to, to Luca. And you say, hey, you're the next LeBron. He may project something, but in his head he's going, yeah, it's kind of what I expect. I expect myself to be the best player in the world. That's what his own expectations are for himself. And so you're not doing a disservice to this guy if that guy can handle the comparison. I realize my coaches want to shut it down. Oh, don't say that and all this stuff. But in the head of that guy, I believe, not that I know him super well or anything, but what I've seen and what I've been around in my head, I believe that that guy goes – yeah, that's kind of what my expectations are. I mean, I was the best player in Europe at 18-19, so it's a pro league. I kind of thought I'd come over here and kick some ass. Yeah. So it's like, who are we doing a disservice to if he thinks he can go do that? Well, I think that is, to answer your question five minutes later, I think that is the the thing. That's the thing that he's got is that it's it's that innate sense of confidence. Like, against Detroit, he pulled out a turnaround step back from the free throw line that we hadn't seen him shoot all season. And he did it with basically the game on the line. <laughs> he said step back threes multiple to win games. Right. That behind the back play at the elbow. I mean, not only does he have the confidence to try those things, but he has the confidence to try them with the game on the line where right. if he messes up, they right. lose. Did you see what he said after the game last night? Uh, that he, he was mad that he missed shots. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, he scored 15 other points in the fourth <laughs> quarter. Like, he outscored the Blazers in the fourth quarter. And it wasn't – it was sincere. It wasn't some corny, you know, I'm, like, going to put this little thing out there. It was there. the first thing he told you. Yeah, because he was thinking in his head, if I had not missed those shots, we would have been up by five, or, you know. Yeah. I mean, you're like, hey, Luca, you just won the game. How does it feel? Well, yeah. good thing Maxi made a couple plays because I am pissed about all the shots that I missed. Right. I mean – it's it, that is the usually it takes guys many years. So I'll I'll tell like a, a quick story. I'm not trying to psychoanalyze Dirk, but one thing that Holger and Dirk work on is kind of like the mental approach to superstardom to your game and specifically when the game is on the line. And there's these uh, they call them like the seven layers of consciousness. No. Right, where it's just like a Dante's hell or something. It's this really, I don't know, it's really obscure thing that only really smart people understand, and I'm not, I'm not on that level. But where you know what you want to do, and you know what your defender thinks you want to do, and you know what they think they you want to do, and it's just like this mental game where you have a move, they know your move. How are you going to counter it? How, what are they going to do to counter it? So you're going through these like these checkpoints in your brain in two seconds. So you know, if if I go dribble, dribble, spin, pump fake, go under, am I going to draw the foul or not? Like, you have to think about not only what you want to do, but what they think you're going to do and what they want you to do and how you're going to count. Like, it's this mental game of chess that you have to play out in about five seconds. And it takes many players a decade to figure it out. I mean, how long did it take Dirk to be the guy late Mm, in games? I mean, not until like 03, 04, 05. He was putting up huge numbers whenever he was 21, 22. But it wasn't... Hey, it's a tie game. Go get us a bucket. You, you might be you might be too young to remember this or not, but I distinctly remember the conversations of, oh well, they have Finley, Nash, and Dirk, but they don't have a closer. Yeah, I mean that was a thing that was talked about on. Finley sports was radio. taking the big shots for, and Van Exel was taking whenever he yes. was here in 03. Yes. He was the late game guy. Absolutely. 
So it's like to your point, it does take time for those things to fall into place. And LeBron, even dude, I mean, remember his first couple years in Miami? You passed it to Daniel. I know he's wide open in the corner, but why aren't you taking basketball play? Or is it not? And it's just like the, I mean, and LeBron is kind of the more magic school of I'm gonna make the pass if it's there, and Luca's kind of there too, but he can also score. I don't know. There's so much that he's done already. I don't even what is what is he is he a, is he a passer or is he a scorer because he's scoring twenty five but he's also one of the best passers in the league like what I what is this guy I think he's like you know and I, there's no exact comparisons but I really think he's that sort of Larry Bird give me the ball I'm going to tell you the spot on the floor I'm going to make it from and I'm going to put it right in your face like and then and then but there's also a lot of magic to his game you know to me the most iconic Magic Johnson play is him hitting a game-winning finals shot, sweeping hook shot over Bird and McHale and Parrish, right? So the guy that always wants to pass went to a hook shot in the lane and hit over their three best players. And how many hook shots has he made? Right. I mean, it's like maybe five? Kareem, watch this! Yeah. You know, so it's like, I, I just, whatever that thing is, he he's on their, he's, He's got the capacity to be on their level. You got to do it time and time. And you know what? You know what? We don't know. I mean, I think we think we know. We don't know how mega success is going to impact this guy. Now, there's he's already had a ton of success. A couple of people got mad at me uh, on Twitter on the broadcast yesterday when uh, I was relating a story about a buddy of mine who's a coach asking me, well, "What's it like to cover Luca?" And I'm like, "Man, I've never really been through anything like this because it's sort of a little bit of." LeBron and a little bit of Bieber and a little bit of Kardashian. Yeah. And people got real mad. How dare you? He's like, dude, you show me another teenager that has millions of followers uh, based on their success of what they do within their field as a teenager. And how like, many, there's a how very many small... prime ministers are coming over to watch right. basketball players? Like, you can say whatever you want about Bieber, but that dude was an 18-year-old superstar. So he's dealing with things that he's not mature enough to deal with, and he has to deal with it. So that guy ends up getting tattoos all over his face and gets a drug problem. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's no real way to know how you're going to be able to handle this sort of thing. I think we all feel like Luca's going to handle it. Because he's just got it. You know, when you leave home at 13 years old and go someplace where they don't speak your language, you got to learn Spanish, like, in a day. Like, he's geared for this, but you still really don't know how someone is going to handle mega stardom. Look at all those Disney people. Like, almost every one of them had a very public meltdown. Yeah. Almost every single one of them. A lot of them emerged as great adults. Some of them became Justin Timberlake. Right. But but you get my point. It's like I'm not saying, hey, Luca's Justin Bieber. I'm saying try to find try to find some analogous situation where it's like, oh man, that guy picked up a million Twitter followers in the course of half of an NBA season. That's not normal for someone who's 19 years old to have to process. It's just not. And you can go, well, he's very grounded and he has great parents. Okay, that's fine. He still has to deal with this. Like, ask Dirk if he could have handled that. He will straight tell you no. He just couldn't. He's not. He wasn't wired that way. So, I'm, while I'm amazed by all this, I'm still like apprehensive to some level. Going, man, this is just such uncharted territory for any of our Mavericks that we've ever had. Yeah, and normally, Dirk became this good when he was like 24, yeah, 25. By then, he kind of he knew how it worked, right? And there wasn't Twitter. I mean, this is like and this he, is, he had. Dude, he had. This is why like Sala is important. Yeah, because Sala and JJ are very important to Luca. You know, uh, one. I mean, they're comfortable speaking Spanish together. Uh, but number two, Sala is someone he knew already and could was an older head. And you know, hey, he can help me out. I mean, Dirk had Nash. That was huge for him. Yeah, one and, and Finley. Porzingis too is important it, because not only not only is he European, so he gets it. He played in Spain. Uh, he speaks Spanish, but also. Porzingis came up in New York, where right. the spotlight is even brighter than it is here, and, and even brighter than it is on Luca. And he was great. Yeah, yeah I mean, he was point. an all star in his third year. So, yeah, I mean, the guy he gets it too. And so we're going to be talking about Porzingis at some point, dude. The other day they had uh, they had a shoot around before that Bucks game, and afterward Porzingis came out and was shooting jumpers, and I was like, holy crap, it's real. Yeah. I mean, like he's wearing a Mav shirt, shooting basketballs into a hoop. <laughs> I was like, man, because. He's just a suit right now, yeah. you know, and he was at a press conference, and sure, he's on the bench during games, 
there's photos of him and stuff, and he's tweeting out stuff and putting. But it's like, do you want to know how you real see him is? with an, an actual ball in his hands? It is very real. Okay, you want to know how real it is? Yeah. Before games, Carlisle is entertaining questions about a player that's not playing. Yeah. Now, when have you ever seen that? Rick always does the whole, well, we're going to talk with the guys who are here. Or, you know, uh, why, why are we talking about that? There's a game. Dude, he entertained a lot of questions before the game yesterday about Porzingis, about him traveling, about thinking about next year. And I'm sitting here going, this is not uh, normal Rick. This is not normally what he does, man. Yeah. And I think that speaks volumes as to the level of excitement about, did we really get two guys this good in a matter of nine months? Did that really just happen? It's been crazy. It's been crazy. So even Rick said, like, you know, September is going to be here before we know it in October. And the the excitement is palpable. And every time after Mavs win, whatever, there was that great photo in the morning news that they, they put out of uh, – you know, Chris Stapps with his arm around Luca, and they're both laughing like they just can't believe what they just saw because it was such a crazy win. But in the meantime, there's still basketball this season. Yeah. And they're trying to make the playoffs while also thinking about October. And normally whenever teams are thinking about October, they're trying to lose. Right. Because they just want to get to next season. So it's this weird tightrope. I've never really – I've never really uh, – been a part of anything like this before where you're you're almost more excited for next year but also you still kind of have a puncher's chance this year yeah and then you look up and Tim Hardaway's got 24 points and he played great and the other day Trey Burke had like 15 and he's he's stroking threes and Courtney Lee and Justin Jackson came in and played really well in the fourth quarter I mean Justin Jackson was a monster four minutes he was plus 10 yeah he's playing defense I mean he's long yeah it's great and so it's like there's so much like I I want to s- kind of push fast forward, skip ahead to next year, you know, skip a couple scenes. I don't really care about free agency in the draft and all that's going to be great, but like let's just go ahead and get to October. But at the same time, dude, if you see their upcoming schedule, they got a lot of home games and there's a chance okay. they're going to win some games here and make it interesting and all of a sudden like what's going to happen in a month, you Okay, know? so here here's the deal. Houston tonight and it's gonna play, be tough. We've, it's gonna be tough. Second night back, but we've played. But I, I like that Rick basically pushed all the chips in and said, "If we're gonna win one of these two games, let's go ahead and win this one." Even though we got a long uphill battle. Yep. And then Miami. That's hard on Miami. You know, night before All Star break, we'll see. So the key of like where we're, I feel like you and I are gonna do a podcast on February twenty fifth. Okay. Are, are you going on the road trip? Uh, I'm going. I'm not going on the road again until that Brooklyn, Orlando, okay. Washington one. They come back after All Star break. They have a Friday night home game against Denver, and the very next night they go to Utah. Thank you, NBA. Thank you, NBA. If they end up winning both of those games, low probability. Do you know how bananas our podcast is going to be on the morning of the twenty fifth? Oh my 25th? god, we're going to be popping bottles. We're going to be because we're, we're going to be going, dude. Is this real? Can they really make the All Star team? Or I'm sorry, can they really make the playoffs? That's going to be like such a key thirty six hour stretch, you know? Because there there's a lot of reasons to look at that and go, zero eh, and two. I mean, Denver's incredible. Utah at home the next night that ain't fair. But if you emerge from that thing. Then everybody starts looking around at each other. The unique thing to me about what this team needed, you know, we talk about style of players, but more abstract things, is that Courtney Lee and Tim Hardaway Jr. and Trey Burke are suddenly in a playoff hunt that they didn't think they were going to be in. They talked about that at the press conference. Man, Tim Hardaway Jr. is playing hard. Dude, he's pumped man he's pumped he's playing he's going 100 miles an hour he's fallen to the floor more times than even luca and luca seems like he, you gotta like build a wall around the around the fence to keep him safe but like dude hardaway is like diving everywhere you're right we talked about that on the broadcast we're like man have you seen how many times this guy's hit the floor yeah you're exactly right and uh i mean we could tell by talking to him after the first game how pumped up he was to be here and all this but that that adds a dynamic you know to your locker room that's infectious uh, and so, you know, I mean, it's a long shot. It, it absolutely is. But if you look at it and you go, okay, if you get through that little tough stretch, then, you know, with the trades and stuff, I expect if the Mavericks are going to make the, have a run, they're going to beat the Clippers on the road, right? You can start having those kinds of expectations. Yeah. You know what? They should beat the Pacers at home. 
I know, dude. Shout out to the Pacers for the way that they're playing after the Victor Oladipo. I know, man. And Wesley Matthews is now an Indiana Pacer. Yeah, that's um, going to be interesting, by the way, because West being traded to New York, you think, well, okay, you're not going to see him again. Well, no, we get a revenge game this season. So and boy, he be, lives for revenge. Oh games. my God! If you don't think that that dude gets up for revenge games, look at his splits against Portland. That guy. Yeah goes bananas against yeah. the Blazers. And then you got an East Coast road trip, you know, to start March, but you go, all right, we can beat the Nets. They're tough. They're tough as hell. Levert's back. They're tough, but you can beat those guys. Wizards without John Wall, come on, we've always played well in Washington. Mm. End of the week at Orlando, then you start Then you start your mind starts going crazy. Yeah. So, hey, they have two more games this week. You need to win at least one of those. And then if you come out of those first two games and win one of those – you start yeah, going, and okay, I mean, we you can, can do this. You can beat Denver at home just generally. Denver's great, but they're only 500 on the road. And mm. the Mavs are one of, let's see, one, two, three, four, five teams in the West with 20 wins at home. There's five of them. Denver, by the way, 23 and four at home. God. My goodness, that is crazy. But uh, only 14 and 14 on the road. So and where that's coming out of the All-Star break, which is kind of weird for everybody. And historically... The Mavs, I mean, not historically, but in the last five, ten years, haven't been great in that first game out because mm-hmm. they've been an older team, kind of stiff. Got mm-hmm. And Denver's like, a that's baptism by fire mm-hmm. coming out of the break. But the Mavs now young. They're, like, generally the more athletic team, usually, mm-hmm. which is crazy, but it's true. Yeah. So um, we have Luka doing incredible magical things. We have a playoff chase kind of in the frame Mm. what is the remainder of this year what is something else that you want to see kind of unfold that could carry over into next year oh man i don't know i think uh i think just generally like conceptually you trade away jordan matthews barnes smith you think like all right well they're the the general the the average fan is probably gonna think all right they're not they're kind of checked out on this year they're just trying to fast forward to next year but if you look at that starting five's net rating and stuff, it was not very good. Mm-hmm. So, all right, let's get some let's get some new players in the starting five. And whenever you get rid of those four, every every single one of those guys has name value. And Jalen Brunson, Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleber, Tim Hardaway, may, not as much name value. But I'm looking conceptually at what these players can do and who they are. Right, mm-hmm. Maxi, Dorian. Hardaway, especially those three, right, big time athletes, right, and obviously Dennis, probably one of the most athletic players, explosive players in the NBA, and I, I don't even want to use athletic anymore because that's that's dumb because Luke is athletic too. I'm talking about explosive yeah. players, right, guys that can get up and down the floor and that can get up and throw down on dynamic you. athletes. Yes, dynamic athletes. Finney Smith and Maxi are no disrespect to Barnes and DeAndre Jordan, but those guys are they they bring a different element yes. to the game. Kleba, huge shot blocker, vertical guy. You saw it on his last two plays against Lillard, but uh, also can get up and dunk. Yeah. Finney Smith, put back guy, runs the floor, defends. He was defending Lillard in the fourth quarter. Yep. So throughout Lillard's third quarter thing, whenever he scored 21 points, it was point guards defending him. Mm-hmm. And then the Mavs finally started doubling a little bit. And then Finney Smith came in the game, defended him in crunch time, and did a really good job. So you're surrounding Luka now. And and Brunson, too, to an extent, although I think Burke brings a little more dynamicism, mm-hmm. if that's a word. And then in the fourth quarter, they went big, had Luka playing point, and they had Maxi and Dwight out there. And Dwight, obviously, is a big-time jumper, too. Right. You surround Luka with major athletes, major jumpers, bouncers, floor runners, guys that are going to play hard, go hard, and you see what happens. Yeah. And I don't know if in three years the Mavs starting lineup is going to be Luka with Maxi and Dorian and Tim Hardaway. Like, I don't know what the team is going to look like. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking types of players, player archetypes, guys that go hard, play hard, jump, run, I mean, push the ball in transition, really like dive on the floor, mm-hmm. that is the type of people, the type of guys that you need to surround Luka with because yep. Luka's not going to run 30 miles an hour down the floor in a fast break. Right. But if you surround them with guys that do, then all of a sudden I see what you're working with. It's the Steve Nash Phoenix thing. Exactly. And, and and we already know that Porzingis is going to be on the floor and he's not the type of athlete that we're talking about. So this is, as I look forward, this is why the most important guy to me in terms of development is Dorian. Because I want Dorian to be that dynamic athlete that takes on tough defensive challenges, knocks down shots has familiarity, they grow together. I mean, Dorian can be an amazing success story. And most importantly, 
can he defend point guards? Yeah. Maybe not for 36 minutes a game, but, but for stretches. what about for 10? Yeah. What about for 5 or 10? And because if this is kind of, not only are you trying to make the playoffs, but you're also, this is kind of an audition because mm-hmm. Dorian free agent, Maxi free agent, all this stuff. I mean, everybody's everybody's competing for future money, playing time, role, everything. Right. But can this be a success? If you surround Luka with guys that get after it mm-hmm. and you do well, then suddenly you know what works. Because what was happening before just frankly wasn't working. The Mavericks, they right around 500, they lost a few games that they really should have won. Mm-hmm. I think they've lost five times whenever they've been up by 15 points. So, like, clearly they were close, weren't close enough. That only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, mm-hmm. right? So now you kind of totally reform the identity of the team overnight, literally right. overnight. Right. Uh, you bring in four or five new guys, Justin Jackson, Courtney Lee, those are guys that get after it too. Or how's it working out? So, like, let me ask you this. Or do you see them putting a center on the floor next to Porzingis, or do you see them going with uh, two backcourt pieces? I don't know, man. That's the big question. I think that you would like the freedom to do both. Yeah. And if that means hanging on to Dwight and Maxie and, and rotating those guys in, because the Mavericks were pretty good last night whenever they had both those two out there. Right. So size still wins. Right. Uh, I don't know if Porzingis is the type of guy that you want playing center for 35 minutes. Right. Every, or 32, however long he's out there. The freedom to slide in between. And Defensively, I, I want to use him the way Milwaukee uses Brooke Lopez. Yeah, just have him sit back. Yeah. And that's Try why to funnel guys towards him where he can protect the rim. But if you're adding another quote-unquote center or whatever you're calling that on the floor, I don't know how that happens. Yep. And then you know, then I go, I think Maxie could play alongside him because Maxie can jump out and cover some wing-type players. Mm-hmm. And so I think you can cover all those bases, but I don't think Maxie needs to be more than a 22- to 24-minute-a-night guy. I don't know that. So I, I started thinking about this. I see Dor- I really do. I see Dorian as a starter moving forward. Now he's still got to develop. Uh, they have to re-sign him. Um, and then I was thinking about this. I was like, so if you do that, you have Luca, Porzingis, and Dorian. Do you want to put like some ferocious rebounding Montrez Harrell, Kenneth Fareed type out there? And I'm not trying to build the Clippers here. And do you want to go find like a Pat Beverly guy? I'm not saying Pat Beverly, but someone that's You're just talking about like types of players. Types of players that's going to go just he can knock down an open shot. He's not going to create any offense. He can knock down an open shot if you swing it, but, man, he's just going to go make James Harden's life hell or he's going to go make Russell Westbrook's life hell or, you know, so that you don't have to look, okay, Dorian, go cover another guy four inches and twice as fast, you know. Do the whole Sean Marion thing where it's just right. whoever their best player is, it's all you and right, that's it. Right, right. Yeah. And the other thing about that is they had Jason Kidd that could switch off onto monsters and hold them off the block, you know. So that that's real interesting. They got a lot of salary cap space to play with. And a lot of things they can do contractually. But it's like, what is the vision for this thing? Is it to put, you know, everyone is talking about, well, there's a free agent center out there that, uh, you know, averages 20 and 10. I'm like, okay, is that what you put next to Porzingis? I mean, every player is different. But did I like watching Cantor and Porzingis play along? I don't know that I did. Mm. Is it different if Luca's on the floor with Cantor and Porzingis? You know, those are all these things I'm thinking about now. We got a playoff run to think about. We got this year to think about. But it is hard not to... Fast forward to the future in the summer when free agency is a thing. Yeah, but in the meantime, you're talking about what are we looking for. Well, I think how this season play it plays out will kind of uh, maybe influence what they do in the summer, yeah. right? Like if, if you're winning games with Doncic starting with Brunson mm-hmm. with a couple wings and one big, mm-hmm. then suddenly maybe you're like, okay, maybe that could be the formula. Right. If, you know, like last night and against Milwaukee – the the Brunson Doncic thing or Trey Burke Doncic it wasn't as successful. You needed to go to Doncic at point with a three wings, right, and one big, or with two wings and two bigs plus Doncic. If that's more successful, then okay, maybe we go a little more in that direction. But I think generally what they have now is, I mean, they have a ton of wings. So we went down the stable of wings on the last episode. This time, just swap out Barnes for Justin Jackson. Yeah, they still have a lot of. A lot of wings. They only have two bigs, three mm-hmm. now that Saul is back, and Dirk if you count him, but he's really, I mean, he's playing 10 minutes a game, whatever. Mm-hmm. So uh, you got a lot of wings. You got a lot of versatility. The question is, do you want the point guard size player out there to start, or do you want Doncic and then Finney Smith? See, I or want like somebody else that can defend point guards right. that, that, but play wing. I mean, that's the, yeah. that's the question, and then do you go one big or two bigs? And 
then you're like, okay, well, if we want two bigs and we have a point guard, then we're really playing like a traditional lineup. Yeah. So do we? I think you kind of have to choose one or the other. I think so, so too. So either go Doncic two wings, two bigs, or point guard Doncic one big. I think. I think what they're probably thinking is that Doncic is so incredible and versatile that they'll see what's available to them and then play to that. Yeah, and just make it work. But I do think I'm a thousand percent confident. That if I'm in, if I'm involved in this thing, that I see Dorian and Maxi as long-term pieces. Yep. You don't ever want to break the bank for guys like that, but if they're willing to be a part of this thing at a quote-unquote reasonable price, and they'll allow you to use your cap space and then sign them, you know, have them be exceptions or holds rather, um, then then I think you have the potential to put together something really great this summer. Oh, I don't. Do you know the rules on? Um, Cap holds getting bigger based on productivity, like uh, quote unquote probable starter. That yeah. So, so once a player meets starting criteria, which has to do with I think number of starts and also minutes played, mm-hmm. and so I, it makes me feel squeamish to even talk about it. But basically, Finney Smith is looking like he's going to get there, yeah. which means his cap hold goes up a little bit. And it's not that so, much, right? It's yeah, just a it's little like bit. a few hundred grand or five hundred okay. grand or something. Yeah. Um, but. You know, we see teams in baseball do this all the time whenever they want to keep a guy on rookie money or Send arbitration and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. I, I hope that that kind of stuff doesn't I, happen. I, I, think, I, I think baseball is a little more unique in that regard. I know I think it's a great analogy you're making. I think for the Mavericks, they have to develop the player. Mm. And so this is where, you know, we people that are all about tanking, I mean, man, they just those are people that don't spend time around the team. And I'm not saying this from a personal standpoint. I'm just saying it affects the player. Losing affects the player. It affects development of the player. And so a lot of times you'll see when teams tank, and if they do finally get those miraculous guys, they blow everybody else out because they're all contaminated with the sickness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's the simple fact of it. So I just think at this point, now that you have a couple of unicorns, You've got to focus everything on the development of the guys that you have that you believe in. So I think your point is valid, but I would imagine the Mavericks have too much good momentum going with a guy like Dorian to pull the reins back because of salary cap gymnastics. Yeah, and now with Maxi, his situation is a little different because he signed a two-year contract as an undrafted player, so it's kind of like that Arenas rule Mm -hmm. or the Arenas provision, whatever you want to call it, where there is a – there's a cap on what he can be offered right. because he signed a one-plus-one contract. Right. Fenny Smith signed a three-year deal, so the Mavericks have his bird rights, and he's going into restricted free agency. Um, they can match anything. Yep. I don't believe – because him being undrafted is irrelevant because he got a three-year deal, so I think he can be offered whatever anybody wants. Someone could offer right. him a max. A if they want to give him $25 million, $30 million a year, whatever. Right. Uh, but with Maxi, I believe – and now I could be wrong. That's why I don't even talk about this stuff, but I'm pretty sure – that there is a ceiling on what he can be offered be- because he was a one plus one if they keep his cap hold. See, basically. whenever these conversations come up, I always have to go back and read it, and I get three sentences in, and then I go, man, what's on Twitter right now? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. My brain hurts. What's the CBA on? FAQ is great until yeah. you actually open it. Right. Like, like, it's oh. good to know that it exists out there in the, in the right. ether, but right. uh, I'm not about to go pay it a visit. But, uh, yeah, so I think the rest of the year I'm going to be watching – what is working, what is not, and then kind of go back, rewind once they get to August 1st and we know who's going to be on the team because they've already done all their free agency and trade stuff. Then rewind five months and be like, okay, the reason they did this is because that was working in March. Do you, do you, know, do you know what, wait, basically what we've just taken, you know, 50 minutes, how long have we been talking? Uh, 44. You know what we take for the last 44 minutes, you know what we've basically said? Huh. March is going to be kick-ass. April's going to be kick-ass, and then if it doesn't carry over, man, July is going to be kick-ass. Yeah. So the overarching theme is, man, these a lot of kick-ass stuff coming up, bro. Oh, my God. These are good times. These are some really good times, and we'll have a lot of time the rest of the year to talk about this and then in the offseason to kind of look ahead, too. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that's Mavs Portland. That's Luka. That's roster stuff. Um I want to talk a little bit about All-Star Weekend. Cool, me too. It is Monday. They got two games left. They play Houston. They play Miami on Wednesday. And then All-Star stuff starts on Friday. That's the rookie game. So when are you going out there, and what is your weekend looking like? So the uh, Mavs Insider crew is rolling out there. I'm rolling out there. Uh, Our producer, Jess, is going out there. And then we got two camera folks, Chopper and Ashley. And we're all heading out to Charlotte. 
Is Jessica taking the fam with her? Or is she going? Say it again. Is is Jessica taking the fam with her? No. Well, she's always Anthony got uh, a little bit of fam because she's pregnant right now. Yeah. But uh, Anthony, her uh, former her husband, who is also a former Dallas Cowboy, briefly, uh, and their son Apollo, they're chilling back home. Okay. So Anthony's got triple daddy duty. Sorry, <laughs> Anthony. Uh, I'm actually because we're flying out on Valentine's Day. I'm bringing wifey. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So we're gonna do dinner in Charlotte on Thursday night. And then it becomes a madhouse for three straight days. So Friday, uh, you know, we're going to try to set up interviews and things. But Friday is going to be the Mountain Dew game, right? Mm. And so you have Dirk coaching Luca. That's right. I forgot Dirk was even coaching that game. Right. And then on Saturday, you have Luca and the skills and the Dirk and the three-point. And then Sunday, Dirk and the All-Star game. So uh, we're going to be just canvassing Charlotte and getting any sort. I think it's going to be the best Mavs insider of the season. We've had some really good ones. Yeah. If you haven't seen the new one, by the way, we did a big piece with Al Whitley. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, Al was great. If, for those of you that don't know, Al grew up with Nash, moved to Dallas, uh, became the equipment manager, and then uh, recently took a job. Uh, as vice president of basketball operations for the Legends. So he bounces back and forth between the Mavs and the Legends. Uh, Mavs Insider on Fox Sports Southwest. I think you'll like it. But anyways, the Mavs Insider that we'll be running after uh, we get back from the All-Star break, I think it's going to be a really good one, man. Yeah, so All-Star Weekend is really cool. If 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 you've never been as a fan, definitely go because it's great. It's mm-hmm. awesome. In 2015, I kind of did like halfway as media i went to the all-star game as media that was dirk and uh, at madison square garden but then the rest of the stuff i was just a fan for so right. it was cool to like take in all the sites it really is a circus but from a media perspective it is the best time to ever approach the su- the superstars basically yeah. i mean they're all going to be there yeah every star is there and the way they do availability is basically like they just dump 24 all-stars into a room and just say have at it for an hour and a half or two hours or however long you got and they'll answer questions about anything and anybody. So you so, know, you know what happened. This is one of uh, when back back then. This is February of 2011. Uh, me and Ben are at ESPN, and ESPN is the flagship for the Mavericks. They're like, "Hey, do you guys want to go to the All Star Weekend?" We're like, "Yeah." It was in Los Angeles, so we had all that access to Dirk. And then, you know, two and a half months later, the magic begins. So that was a really incredible run. And we ended up back in L.A. two and a half oh, months yeah. later to sweep the Lakers. Yep. But Watching uh, J.J. disappoint a bunch of movie stars. <laughs> right. That was, uh, that was oh, dude, I'm glad you brought that up. We had J.J. on the pregame show mm-hmm. on Wednesday. Was that? No, it was Friday. Yeah, that was Friday. And we had this piece that started off the show. And I'm sitting next to J.J. I'm looking at him. He's watching it. And we show the Bynum play. Oh, and no. And he recoiled. Oh, really? Like, I'm sure he's seen it a million times. He's like, oh, my God. Every oh, time he sees dude, it. He probably, every time he sees that, he just feels it. He feels it. Yeah. It's was, it was vicious. But anyways, uh, you're right. The, the access you get at All-Star Weekend is incredible. And originally, you know, Jay Cole's performing there because that's oh, his hometown. Yeah, yeah. And I thought there was going to be an opportunity with Dennis and Jay Cole to maybe do something. But now, obviously, Dennis will be a piece, uh, part of Nick's Insider. So whatever they're going to be doing uh, there. But hopefully I, I get to see Dennis because I love the dude. It'd yeah. be great to catch up with him. Yeah. So uh, All-Star Weekend was originally shaping up to be pretty quiet. Here about two, two and a half weeks ago, we're thinking, yeah, Luca might do the rookie game. He's not starting. He's probably not even going to make the team now. So uh, there's not going to be a lot going on. And then suddenly, oh, yeah, Dirk, you want to coach? Oh, while you're there coaching, do you want to just <laughs> – do the three-point shootout and play in the game, too. Uh-huh. So suddenly it went from, like, you go on Friday, maybe leave on Saturday morning, enjoy the weekend, and now it's, like, nonstop. Yeah, for you're, 72 you're, hours, you're going to be going crazy. If you're going to go on vacation, it's somewhere on Monday to Tuesday evening because you've got stuff going all weekend. Oh, right? yeah, absolutely. So uh, <laughs> Luca is the, the favorite. If you're, if you're really a gambler on All-Star Weekend stuff, Luca's the favorite to win the skills challenge. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, and then Dirk is like the longest shot to win the three point shootout. <laughs> well, then I'm gonna, I'm going <laughs> yeah. to legally gamble somewhere oh and just my put gosh. my money down on Dirk with the long yeah, shot. Yeah, he's odds. like plus fifteen hundred or something. Good. Just like it's like comically long odds. I'll bet a dollar. Yeah, I think it would be hilarious. By the way, if so, you can choose your money ball rack. Uh-huh. Dirk should just put the money ball rack first, make all of those, and just be done. <laughs> I mean, because like he's not gonna make it all the way around. I predict he will. 
You think you think he will? I think he will because I think he's going to set his mind to it. Really, I, I think. What and they I think do he is will sacrifice making shots in order to get all of them off. Yes. Like he he, does, he shoots all twenty five, and he's like, yes, <laughs> he make like three of them, but he's <laughs> both, yeah. both in the scoreboard. Air. And he's just, doing the, the German yeah. three in the air. I did it! I did it! Because all you have to do to advance out of the first round is make like twelve. I mean, every, usually like three or four players will just kind of bomb out, you yeah. know, and have a really bad first round. So if Dirk just gets hot on one rack. Then he'll advance. I mean, Dirk's going to win because he's Dirk. Yeah, I mean, what they should do is just add on an extra 15, 20 seconds just for him. You know it would be a good bit is if he did the skills challenge. Oh, that would be really <laughs> Put Dirk. Dirk comes out in a Luka jersey and just like, yeah, it's me, Luka. <laughs> That'd uh, be great. Yeah. Uh, do you think Luka has what it takes to win the skills challenge? I Actually, don't know the other people competing, but uh, you know, who's, you know the, one of the weird guys competing is Vucevic. Oh yeah, well and Jokic is too, right? Uh, I think so. The and then De'Aaron Fox, I believe, is in Trae it. Young, and I Mike, I think Mike Conley Jr. is in it. Really? Yeah, I believe okay. so. I thought I saw that. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny. It's just you got to do it right every time. I think what happens is, uh, I meant do it right the first time every time. Yeah. Where guys get caught up is when they have to come back. It's the bounce pass yeah. one is the one that gets people. Um. And I just think Luke is dialed in for things like that. And I'm going back to that Brad Towns article again where his mom was talking about, yeah, he's not just in running unless there's, oh, the, is this for a prize? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like that's the thing where he dials it up. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is more likely? Luca winning MVP of the Rising Stars game. Uh-huh. Okay. Or Dirk dunking in the All-Star game. I'm willing to bet all the money I have that Dirk will not dunk in the All-Star game. Really? You don't think they'll make it happen? Man. I kind of think they'll, like, clear the way for him. I think they would clear the way, but then I think Dwayne Wade would run in and try oh and block it God, like a douche. Oh, my God, you're right. You're I don't right. know, man. I think – I think uh, I want to – have you have you looked at odds on Luka winning the MVP of the uh, Mountain Dew I, game? I have not. I, I have not. Because I think in order to win MVP, your team has to win, and that's tough to, you know – yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know who are, is on the rosters because I normally just don't really pay a lot of attention. Oh, I have a question: Is Ben Simmons playing for the international team in his third year since he won Rookie of the Year in his <laughs> second year? Did we ever solve all that idiotic crap? So this is a, genu- a genuine question. Whenever he plays internationally, is he with Australia or is he with the U.S.? Because Kyrie Irving is born in Australia. He, he wasn't raised there like Ben was. Or I He doesn't have an accent. It comes down to whether or not you have an accent. Yeah. Is Ryan Brokoff in this game? Yeah. <laughs> Ryan from accounting. You know who should have been in there? Maxi should have been. It's his Absolutely. second season, and he's yeah. way better than a lot of the other international I agree. players. I agree. But, uh, and the U.S. players, too. You know what? But uh, – yeah, I guess I don't know any any other all star hot takes before we get you out of here. I know you got a radio show to go to. Nah, so. I'm just uh, I'm just happy, man. Things are good. Yeah, things are good. It's fun time to be a Mav fan. Yeah, things are good. So this upcoming week, uh, quick shout out by the way to all those Slovenian fans that traveled that you talked about earlier. Amazing, a hundred of them. They bust from Ljubljana to Venice, Italy. Flew from Venice to Amsterdam, layover. Flew from Amsterdam to Minneapolis, Minnesota, five hour layover or Ugh. something crazy. And then flew to Dallas, and Minnesota to Dallas is not a quick flight either. Yeah. That's like two and a half, three hours. So yeah. if you think that's a quick leg, you're wrong. And uh, they arrive in Dallas on Saturday night, late Saturday night, after about 24 hours of travel. They show up to the game, and they witness a pretty special win. Did, do you realize, I mean, yes, you realize how big of a fan of anything, anything, whether it's a band or you know, some location or anything to put in that much travel to do it. Mm-hmm. You've got to worship that thing that you're and the and so we were talking to one of the Slovenian reporters. He's like, you know, the average salary in Slovenia is about a thousand dollars a month. I mean, the cost of the flights is like fifteen hundred bucks. Yep, and it's not just that because they're they're not just coming to Dallas and then going back home. They're in Houston for right, this yep. game, and then they're coming back, back for the Miami game. Dude, if Drogic doesn't fly in to say hi to those folks, yeah. come on, man. I kind of hope he does, but he, but he was to. saying that that's c- the end of a long road trip for Miami. Right. And he's been staying home to rehab and stuff. So. No, I get it, but dude, yeah. come join your team. I don't care where they're coming from. Yeah, they can, You can go first class on American and be okay. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And, and yesterday at the, at the Blazers game, they were kind of spread out, I think, throughout the arena. Right. Uh, the guy was saying that they – a hundred fans is tough to, to yeah. get all in one spot, but they I think they were able to do it for the Miami game. Oh, and cool. I think they were even able to do it for the Houston game too. 
So I think it, the games being on a weeknight makes it a little easier. Right. Portland Sunday matinee is going right, to do better right, tickets right. wise, but uh, I think they're all going to be together tonight in Houston, and then also again on Wednesday against Miami. So that'll be pretty cool. Hopefully those uh, those guys they were all like wearing hats and stuff, and they had flags, and they were they were they were loving it. They were there we even played fun. the Slovenian national anthem too. That yes. was pretty. That was pretty awesome. That was really cool. During one time out, I was like, "What is this?" And then I was like, "Oh yeah." Because yeah. I saw them standing up and kind of holding th- their flags. I thought like, it was yeah. music from The Walking Dead. I had yeah. no idea. Well, it was Superhero Day, too. So I was so confused because, like, they were playing a lot of themes, I think, of songs. Right. And I just don't. I'm not a superhero guy. Yeah. So because uh, I don't like fun. So. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I didn't really know any oh, of those songs. Bob. Yeah. So it was tough. I, I got I to, gotta, like, watch the Avengers or something. Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm not that into the superhero stuff either. But I think it's all depressing. It's all, like, kids that were abandoned and stuff and. Then they found a belt or something. I don't know. It just seems like all those stories come from some really. He watched his parents murdered, and then yeah. he, uh, you know, got a cave that he lived in. I don't know. It just he seems was like bit by a spider. <laughs> that <laughs> sounds way worse than anything else. <laughs> I don't like bugs. It's dark stuff. Yeah. What the hell. Yeah, and then you know, luckily they try and pay it forward. Some of them. There was Thanos, who I I know from the memes. I don't really know much about Thanos other than I think he like he made a bunch of people disappear or something. Uh-huh. Anyway. He's the big blue guy. He was in the starting lineup, like, lines when the okay. players came out. Uh. Him and a bunch of other people that I did not recognize. They're just like, you know, whenever they introduce starters at Mavs games, all the lights go out in the arena. They play this video. The dancers and mascots are out on the floor. It's it's awesome. There's music just blaring, and Sean Heath, the PA, is going crazy. And, you know, say, add, add guards, you know, 6'8", from Slovenia, number 77, Luka Doncic. And then the players will run down and high-five all their teammates and stuff. Well, at the very end of the line – it's like four or five superheroes. Oh, okay. Just high-fiving the players. <laughs> so it's like, dude, the NBA is just like... So surreal. It is so crazy. Isn't isn't Thanos like the Greek word for death wish? Sure. Does anybody know that? I have no idea. We'll have to get Kostas on. And we ask do him. need to get Kostas on for that. I do want to mention one more thing because I hadn't thought about it again until you said that. So when we do the broadcast, we have headphones on. Yep. People ask me all the time, hey, did you hear this thing? I'm like, no, I had headphones on. And it really does you know, drown out a lot of sound. So... I was getting ready to go to the back to do the interview, and when I took my headset off right at the end of the game, I could not fathom how loud it was. It was so loud. It was playoff loud. Yeah. And the thing is, I'm not trying to give anybody a hard time. I know traffic is annoying. The Mavs were down like 15 points with eight minutes left or something. I'm not going to give you a hard time for people leaving, but some people left and... Dude. So it was not totally packed in there, and it was still loud as crap, dude. It's Sunday afternoon, bro. You can stick around till the end of the game. Yeah. I unless, mean, unless you have a, a wait shift to go to for your Sunday night. I get it. But yeah. people weren't rushing off to get ready for work the next day. Mm. That game ended at a little after 5. Well, now or, the next time they go to a game, they won't leave because right. they missed that comeback. So that's yep. pretty cool. But yep. I, anyway, I, I, the reason I said that is to not you know, tease those people, but that – it's not like there were 20,000 people in there. The people that were stayed were – they were losing their minds. Yeah. I mean, that was like – that was pure, like, unadulterated joy. It was awesome. Coming out from the fans that stuck around. That was great. And it's been <laughs> like that, dude. It's been like that this season all year long. It is crazy. Good I times. Mean, this team is, like, below 500, and the fans are still going nuts. And the ratings are through night. the roof. Yeah. That's Lu- that is Luka Magic, too. That is indeed. Maybe, maybe that's the Luka thing. Not only is he great, but he just he just draws in he just draws it I, I don't know, he draws in people and he draws out emotions from you. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just something about having a player like that where uh, I don't know, it just makes people it, it makes people a little louder, it makes them care a little more, makes them watch a little longer, mm-hmm. makes them come to a game, you know, that they might not want to like there's just there's something about that guy. There's just something about him. It's special. Yeah. He's the chosen one. It is great to watch it up close, man. Can't wait to keep watching him. Uh, We will be back with you next week after All-Star break. Skin, you're you're going to Charlotte. You're going to do some reporting out there. Yes. And then, uh, yeah, take a week off from basketball. The Mavs will be back, by the way, Friday, Feb 22, I think. Is that what it is? That's when they come out of the break to play Denver. Oh, oh yeah. They'll be – when do they start practicing again? On Wednesday or Thursday? Uh, I think Wednesday – yeah, Wednesday they'll have something, and then Thursday they'll have a real practice, and then Friday they'll play some basketball. Yep. So uh, 
nice week plus long break for a lot of these guys who deserve it and uh, gearing up for a playoff run, hopefully. We'll do a pod later in the week next week, like maybe Tuesday or Wednesday, because I'll be traveling on Monday. Okay, that's cool. All right, rock Sounds on. good, man. Have yep. fun. Boom. Do, do some good stuff in Charlotte. I'll try my damn Win some contests. Yep. Motivate Luca. Motivate Dirk. Done. And uh, see you next week, man. See ya. It is numbers on the boards.